Would you pray with me? Lord God, we are grateful that Easter is the culmination of a long story, a long story of love between a creator and his creation. God, help us today to come willingly and open our hearts for a fresh anointing of your spirit that we might have our eyes open to why we need you, why we want to walk with you day by day, even in a world that oftentimes doesn't acknowledge you. God, we need you, and we are so grateful that you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so today, Lord, as we consider this story, I pray that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching, that my very frail and broken and human words might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray this with great confidence, for we pray it in the name of the risen and the reigning Christ. Amen. He is risen. Another way of proclaiming this Easter miracle might be, the king is dead, long live the king. The decree began in France in the 15th century, and it's become a traditional proclamation made following the accession of a new monarch. The seemingly contradictory phrase simultaneously announces the death of the previous monarch and assures the public of its continuity by saluting the new monarch. It was most recently used when Queen Elizabeth II was succeeded by her son, King Charles III. The queen is dead. Long live the king. When it comes to Jesus, well, there is no successor. Jesus is the king that has died and the king that lives. The king is dead. Long live the king. That is what today's reading in the gospel is all about, right? The disciples, Mary, discovering this truth. And of course, Jesus can fulfill both sides of the phrase because he's resurrected. And when we consider Jesus and his mission on earth, his resurrection is fundamental. There is a term in philosophy called haxiety that fits this moment well. It is that property or quality of a thing by virtue of which it is unique or describable as this one. In other words, the key evidence of Jesus' haxiety as Messiah, as Son of God, as this particular one, is his resurrection. For when God raises Jesus from the dead, it validates what Paul writes in Colossians, that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, That he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And how John begins his gospel, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him was life. And that life was the light of all humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Jesus' resurrection was the proof that the darkness of the sin and evil intentions of the world could not overcome God's love. That is why the resurrection is central. For without his resurrection, all the Good Friday suffering and pain and sorrow and horror that Jesus willingly submitted to, all the sins of the world that he carried for our sake, yours and mine, 
to rescue and redeem us would have only ended with his death in defeat. God's plan demanded more. As a result, Jesus' resurrection is central to all we celebrate regarding Jesus as Messiah, as Savior of the world. It is the greatest evidence that the creator of the universe knows we are here and more, actually loves us enough to want to save us from our sins and even more from our greatest enemy of all, death itself. This is what we come to reaffirm and to celebrate, to reaffirm our faith in God's love for the world. As I say that, I want to acknowledge in today's world, believing that God actually raised Jesus from the dead is a high bar. A lot of people simply don't believe it. Why? Why is it so difficult? Well, firstly, Scripture proclaims that there are two stories that exist in our world. I call them the world story and God's story. These two stories, though tracing the same trajectory, are antithetical. And since the world story is the one we naturally find ourselves in, it tends to be the baseline for how we perceive and how we understand meaning and purpose in the world. And when it comes to Jesus' resurrection, without cold, hard evidence, the world story says it's a no-can-do. No one who dies lives again. So, if we are to embrace God's love and care for us found in the Easter story, we must stand firm against the world's story in a couple of ways. We have to acknowledge some things about God's story and choose to believe them. First, for every person who seeks to live in God's story, in which the resurrection is central, faith is required. Faith is required. As we read of God's story in Scripture... By faith, we trust what it tells us about who God is and who humans are. God's storyline has two main overarching themes. The first is that sin is real. It causes all the brokenness and dysfunction that we experience in our relationship with God, in our relationship with others, in our relationship within ourselves, and even our relationship with nature, the broken brokenness found there. Scripture also tells us that sin's ultimate impact on our world is death itself, right? This is where death comes from. It's as a result of sin. And so the first thing is that sin has infected the world and it's a problem. The second is that God's story proclaims that in response to that devastation that sin inflicts upon us, that God so loves the world that as any loving parent would, God does whatever it takes to save us from the effects of our bondage to sin and what it's done in the world, including death itself. And so to experience the benefits of God's story, it requires faith. And faith is central to believing in the resurrection. The second challenge in embracing Easter promises and that it is integral to God's story is the acknowledgement of our own vulnerability that we are dependent upon God for our deepest longings and desires to be met. God's story asserts that God actually designed and created us in such a way that as meaningful as human relationships can be, as significant as our work may be, ultimately, 
Only God can provide the unconditional love and purpose and meaning that fulfills our desire to be enough in this world. In contrast to our being vulnerable and needing God, the world story tends to equate vulnerability with weakness. We've all heard, many of us, Brene Brown's talk on this, I'm sure. It proclaims that humans can overcome our vulnerabilities as we, through self-reliance, earn our enoughness through competition and winning, right? The meritocracy, this is the world in which we live, the water in which we swim. We all know by heart what this earning looks like. From specializing in a sport as a preteen, to only making straight A's, to attending the right high school, to building the perfect resume for college, to attending the right college, to procuring the right job in the best industry, to being the best at that job and efficiently climbing the ladder in order to make the most money and enjoy the most prestige in your community. That is how we prove, the world story says, that we're enough. This is the world story. It is something I certainly grapple with every day. And it is one very familiar to us all because we all know it, because we all live it. And let me say, there is so much to be admired in wanting to be the best we can be. God appreciates good, hard work, effort, trying. I would never suggest that making the most of our talents and giving our all in life is a bad thing. The problem arises when we assign too much meaning to it. The problem is when we assign too much meaning to it, when we determine that our success will be enough to meet our deepest longings and needs, our meaning and our significance. How many of you watched Ted Lasso? Pretty good, pretty good crew of you. It's a show about a soccer team in England, AFC Richmond, and it's such a great show at revealing human vulnerability. Each cast member's insecurities are on full display, their struggles with life at different times. In season three, there are some poignant moments that reveal this human struggle with self-earned enoughness, right? This promise that the world story makes. And in so doing, it exposes the limitations of the world story really well. AFC Richmond, through a quirky set of circumstances in season three, acquires Zava, who's one of the greatest soccer players alive. Zava's Zava's arrival forces some soul-searching on the part of Jamie Tart, the team's current star player. He ends up talking about it with one of his coaches, Roy Kent, another former star player. Roy says to him, Zava is now the best player on the team. You used to be the best but now you're not. It happens. That moment for Jamie Tart has created an existential crisis for him because his enoughness is all tied up into being the best. I mean, this is the world story, right? In short form. Their conversation allows us to see how quietly and profoundly the world story ultimately creates that crisis in our lives. For the longer we embrace the world story's answer to our enoughness, at some point, right, the more we're going to come to realize that even for the best of us, at the end of the day, we are still vulnerable. We are still not enough on our own. Okay, 
So as you can see, I'm making the case that we were created to live in God's story even while we're immersed in the world story. I know many of you are like, well, this is the world we live in. It is. We have to go out every day and make a living. We have to do the things we do. We have to enter in to the world story. But that doesn't mean we allow the world story and what it says makes us enough. It doesn't have to define us. We can insert, we can live into God's story in the midst of the world's story. So that's the question. What if God's story is true? What if the place that I can find the deepest meaning and significance in my life is found as I receive the grace and unconditional love of God, that that is the foundation of my life. And once that unconditional love and grace is in me, and I know that I know that I'm fully known, even the darkest part of my basement is fully known, and by Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on Easter, I'm fully loved, that whatever I'm doing in the world story, I'll actually be better. Because I'm not doing it like Jamie Tart in his role, right? To be the best so that he can feel good about himself. Now he can just be the best that he can be in freedom. That is the promise of God's story. So what if we are, in fact, vulnerable creatures who were created and designed by God to be reliant upon him for our deepest longings? And that Easter, what we celebrate today, is the culminating moment in God's plan to satiate our vulnerable need of unconditional love through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're feeling drawn back to God's story today, since Easter is central, the resurrection is once again front and center. And as is always the case in God's story, as I said, faith is required. Here's the thought process I go go through to engage my faith to accept And understand that Jesus could be raised from the dead. In faith, I believe what God's story proclaims. That the God revealed in scripture is the creator of all creation. With its billions of galaxies and innumerable stars. That God created life itself. And if God created life originally from scratch. Would it be a big deal for that same God to bring the dead back to life at Easter? Not at all. When we engage our faith and we trust in God's story, the resurrection makes perfect sense. For God, of course, in his love, would want to conquer the thing that hangs over each and every human being's life, death itself. So I encourage you to engage your faith and to to guide you in trusting that Jesus' resurrection is real. And because of it, each of us have the opportunity to be forgiven and to find healing and meaning and significance in life. As we embrace God's story, as we embrace the fact that we need faith and that we are vulnerable, no matter what our world tells us, we are not enough on our own. To that end, my hope is that all of us consider leaning into God's story this spring by making a commitment to come to worship more often, to discover and learn more of what it means to embrace this life God calls us to live. It's here that we're reminded, right, that it's not only up to us. If all you're doing is swimming in the world story's waters, you're going to forget about all of this. It's just hard to keep it on our radar. 
It's as we come week in and week out and we hear the stories of Scripture and the encouragement of what God is calling us to do and be that God definitely loves us unconditionally in Jesus Christ, that the mistakes we've made this week, the struggles we've had, that God has forgiven us unconditionally and He loves us as we remember that each week, as we worship God each week, as we hear the Word proclaimed, it reminds us of the hope in God's story, in the midst of the life that we live. For I believe God literally designed each and every one of us to find our true selves as we surrender to his story each and every day. The king is dead. Long live the king. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.